Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. think that that was uh, going on in the back of Mary's mind. And so continuing in verse uh, 46, it says, And after three days they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Now, how old is Jesus at this time? He's 12 years old. And, and I want you to hear two very important points. And number one was that Jesus was asking questions. Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, the Savior of the world, when he was 12 years old, was asking questions. And I'm here to tell you that we should not stop asking questions either. You know, there are, there, there are going to be things that I will say from this uh, pulpit that what you want to do is ask questions and go and, and verify that information. Because believe it or not, there's been a pastor or two that's gotten it wrong every once in a while. But even more importantly, the Bible tells us to study to show yourself approved. So don't live off of somebody else's faith. Don't live off of what somebody else has learned. Learn to have that faith based on your knowledge, based on what's in your heart, based on the answers that you received. So they found Jesus. They found him there in the temple. They found him um, with the, the rulers. And what was interesting, that the rulers were amazed. They were amazed for two reasons. Number one was because this was a 12-year-old boy. And number two, they were amazed at his understanding. And so I, wanna, I just want to sh- share this with you, that don't underestimate your children whether they're 9 years old or 10 years old or 11 or 12, Jesus, at the age of 12, was asking questions and beginning to understand what he should. You know, our children are no different. Think back to when you were 12 years old and the, the way that you looked at life. It's easy for us to kind of look over and gloss over our children when they're at that same age and not realizing that they're a lot further along than we give them credit for. And I tell you that, to tell you this, that it's okay to have spiritual conversations with them. It's okay to teach them to ask questions. It's really okay to show them how to find the answers. Because that's what Jesus was doing with the religious leaders there in the temple. And what's interesting, if you uh, can picture what the temple looked like, that they had an outer um, court and an inner court. And so Jesus would be, they, there would be lots. I mean, this is a crowded place. It's, it's not an empty one. It, it's crowded. There's sacrifices going on. There is, um, if you didn't have the animals, you could uh, purchase an animal um, to uh, have it sacrificed. Um, all of these things are going on. And, and there was probably different pockets of men that were having discussions. And Jesus is sitting among them. When his parents find him. 
Now, let's, uh, this is probably the most relevant conversation to Mother's Day. In verse 48. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. Probably because it was their child. And that he was 12 years old. You know, uh, it's interesting that sometimes um, our friends and relatives treat our children with a little more respect than we do. And that's really what Mary and Joseph, they're like, how, how could this be? This is, this is Joseph. This is the one who throws rocks at his brothers. This is the one who, you know, didn't come back with us when we, we were traveling. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And listen to this. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Who do you think had more stress over this? That's right. Joseph's clueless. You know, he's just doing whatever Mary tells him. And Mary was in great distress. Now, you know, I think about this, and I think about Mary having this conversation with uh, Jesus, but I, I like to think about some of the momisms that I encountered uh, growing up, and, and maybe you encountered some of these too. And, and they sound maybe a little bit like this. Have you ever heard from your mom and she says something like this, look at me. When I'm talking to you. Now I know my mom used that way more times than I wanted her to. And um, I thought I was looking at her, but apparently I wasn't really looking at her. Another thing that you may have heard from a, a mom or your mom, and that is, do you think I'm made of money? The, only, the opposite question to that was, uh, do you think money grows on trees? All right, and to be honest, I kind of wished it, it had growing up, but... It didn't, and, um, and I found out that it didn't by my mom. Here was another one that she, they would use, and that is, how do you know you don't like it if you haven't tasted it? You know, moms, just take our word for it. There's just some things we are convinced. We don't have to eat that to realize that it's not good for us, that it's going to have a negative effect on us, and, and, and we don't really need to, to eat it. Oh, this is a good one. It's not that I don't trust you. It's that I don't trust everyone else. Now, that's mom's nice way of saying, I don't trust you. <laughs> and so she blames it on everyone else because she knows. She knows. She's asked this other question. If everybody else jumped off a cliff, would you jump off the cliff? All right. And she knows the answer to that was probably yes, um, but you never would tell her the truth. Uh, I don't know, did you ever hear this? I know I heard this from my mom. I hope someday you have children that were just like you. Yeah, you know. I mean, if a mom could be mean, that's, that's the sweetest meanness that they've got is, you know, like, I mean, they, they like relish in it when you have, when they have the strong-willed child and you were the strong-willed child. I mean, you know, it's just like I could see them laying their head down on their pillow with a big old smile. And just thinking about all of those things that you put them through, that you put your mom through, and, and all those Mother's Days where she wondered, you know, was it a good thing to be a mom? And yet then she saw your son or your daughter doing the very same things that you had done. And the last one, everybody, I don't think someone can be a mom without saying these words, and that is, I will always love you no matter what. 
You know, that's what makes mom special, is that moms have the ability to love us no matter what. Jesus, mom, Mary, loved him. She scared to death when she lost him. She loved him, no matter what. Kids, I'm here to tell you today that your mom loves you, no matter what. No matter when you forgot her birthday, no matter when you forgot it was Mother's Day, no matter when you, you fill in the blank, you know what, what they are, because it's, it's a lot longer list than I could give you. <coughs> I'm here to tell you that your mom loves you no matter what. And what's really interesting in this conversation is Jesus' conversation back to his mom. And that is in verse 49. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Twelve years old. He's just now understanding the will of God for his life. And he goes after it. And I want you to watch what happens now. So Jesus is beginning to understand that he is the son of God. Because he was born a child. He wasn't born a child with a full um, cognitive uh, knowledge of who he was and what he was. And as he uh, grew in stature as a child, he grew emotionally, he grew um, physically, he grew mentally. And he went through the very same process that we um, discover, only ours is that we are, um, something's missing. That there's something that we need uh, to fill that void that's in our life. In verse 50, and they, did not under, and they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. But listen to this, because what happens is they return to Nazareth. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his, oh, two things here. Jesus was submissive to his parents. At 12 years old, he, he realizes he's the son of God. He realizes that he needs to be on mission. And the Bible tells us that he was submissive to his parents. Now, I know you want your 12-year-olds and 11-year-olds and 9-year-olds and 13-year-olds and 14-year-olds to be in here for this part of the message. But let's not talk about the 9 and 10, 11 and 12-year-olds. Let's talk about each of us. And how it is when we think about our will versus our Father's will, God the Father. And they did not understand the saying that he spoke, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Now, so here is probably the most important. This is the, the Mother's Day portion of this message so moms i'm going to say something that i i would argue that all of you would agree with me 100 percent 
As a matter of fact, it's a Bible verse that you would agree with. In, in 3 John chapter, uh, I'm sorry, 3 John verse 4, it says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And I believe that every mother here today, every mother across the, the United States could think of no better joy than that their children are walking in the truth. You know, a lot of times, um, as kids, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. And we think that if we don't live up to uh, where we think our moms or dads want us to be, we beat ourselves up. And we tell ourselves uh, things that just aren't true. But I'm here to tell all of us that every one of our moms would probably say amen to this verse. That they, they would have joy that their children are living in the truth. That's easier said than done. So it's easier to say, like Jesus, I'm about my Father's will. As a matter of fact, I think that every Christian today would love to know God's will for their life. Am I wrong in saying that? I mean, all of us, I mean, we wish we lived in the Bible days when an angel showed up and said, this is what I want you to do. That's what we tell ourselves. But what's interesting is that when it comes to God's will, God's will there's a couple of things that, that we should and can remember. And the first thing is this, that we need to know God's will for our life. Like, okay, Captain Obvious, um, that's what we want to know. So if somebody could show you God's will for your life, and you would absolutely know that that's God's will for your life, would you want to hear it? Well, let me use Scripture and show you how that all of us here today can know what God's will for us is. And, and there's four different uh, verses where the verse explicitly says, this is the will of God for you. All right? Now, I'm not going to read the verse. I'm going to allow you, I, if, I, if I were you, I would write these down. But John chapter 6, verse 40. In John chapter 6, verse 40, it says that this is the will of God, that everyone would believe on Jesus. That's the first. The second uh, will of God would be found in uh, 1 Thessalonians 3.18, and it says this, that we are to give thanks in everything, for this is the will of God. Now, you may be asking, are you sure that it's the will of God that I'm supposed to give thanks and everything? I'm telling you, go read 1 Thessalonians, and you'll see that it's the truth. That I'm not making anything up. That this isn't something that I could make up if I, if I wanted to. And the third area in the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 2, in verses 13 to 15, and it says, to submit in doing what is right. Now, it's interesting, if you'll read that, it's talking about being submissive to um, the government, being submissive to those that are put in rule over you, being submissive to our parents, for this is the will of God. And then the last one is this, for your sanctification, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. And, and the truth of the matter is that for, from the time that we are saved does not mean that will never change. Matter of fact, 
the expectation is that our lives do change. The expectation is that we become more Christ-like. And a lot of times we get this mixed up. And we try to be more Christ-like and then come to church. When in reality, we should just come to church. And the transformation that happens in our life allows us to be what this fancy word, sanctified. And what that means is, and really all it is, is set apart. But the way that sanctification works is, you know, there's some bad habits that many of us had before we got saved. And the reality is, <coughs> many of those bad habits we still have. But see, God doesn't call them bad habits. He calls them sin. And so his desire is for you, for me, for everybody to be more Christ-like. And his desire is, is the will of God for us is that we learn to um, put those to the side. Now, if we need to know God's will, the second point is that we need to obey God's will. Now, I've given you four very specific verses that apply to everybody within the sound of my voice. This is the will of God for you, that you believe in Jesus. This is the will of God for you. That you give thanks in all things. This is the will of God for you. That you submit to those in authority. This is the will of God for you. That you be sanctified. Now, it's one thing to know that. It's another thing to listen and obey that. Many times you'll hear me say that there is no decision without action. There is, you know, when it comes to God's will in our life, you know what? The, it, it's one thing to know what the Bible tells us that we should do, it's another thing to do it. Moms, you know better than that than anyone else. That it's one thing for your child to know what they're supposed to do, for your child to know what your will for their life is, and it's another thing for them to do it. And we're no different as Christians. So we need to know God's will, we need to obey God's will, and here's what's interesting. When we do those two things, we'll see God work in our life. Our problem is that we want to see God work before we obey his will. We want to see the angel come down and tell us that without a shadow of a doubt that this is the person we're supposed to marry. That this is the job that we're supposed to have. That this, I mean, we, we want to narrow down God's will to this very, you know, small piece where we could not possibly be wrong. And where God very specifically says, here's what you really need to be doing. And he gives us four things. So if we take these four and we apply them, and then we start to see God work in our life. I mean, that's what the encounter with Jesus is all about. You know, in June, on June 18th, there's going to be many children that have an encounter with Jesus. But my question for you today is, you know what, don't wait until June 18th. Don't wait until June 17th. Have the encounter with Jesus today. If you've never, if you've never done that first will of God when it says to believe on the name of Jesus, today is the day. If you'll look, we're talking about amazing encounters and we're talking about every one of the um, stories of the encounters that happen 
um, the verse that we reference is John chapter 20, verse 31. And John chapter 20, verse 31 says this, But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. All right. Now, many of you just thought that Christ was Jesus' second name or last name. And that's just, it's not true. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. The guy that's writing this, John, is writing to a, a Hebrew group of people. These were the people who were looking for the Messiah. And here he was at 12 years old in their temple talking with them. And they were amazed at him. And yet they missed it. They missed the Messiah. 21 years later, he shows back up. He goes to the same temple. He talks to many of the same men. And they missed him again. Folks, I don't know how many times you're going to get the opportunity to hear. And how many times you're going to have that you miss the Messiah. But John 20, 31 tells us. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. The Son of God. And that by believing you may have life in his name. See, it's only through an encounter with Jesus that we can have true life. You know, there was a guy named Nicodemus, and uh, he didn't understand when Jesus talked to him about being born again. He says, what? How could that possibly be? But John explains it right here, that the only way for us to have true life, because if we don't have that encounter with Jesus, if we don't recognize him for who he is, what happens is one day, this heart will stop beating, the blood will stop flowing, and our soul that is attached to this body will move on. And that's a discussion that everyone wonders what happens with the body when it moves on. Well, there's one of two things. If we have believed that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Son of God, if we've accepted what he did on the cross, which was a payment for our sins, if we experience the life that John 20, 31 tells us about, when our soul separates from our body, it goes, it tells us that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But if we don't do that while we're here on earth, and our soul separates from the body, there's not another chance. And the Bible tells us very clearly that our soul will be, first it will be um, in what's called hell, and then at some point in the future, death and hell will be cast into a lake of fire. Don't miss having an encounter with Jesus. Don't let another Sunday, don't let the sun go down without knowing for sure. Because I can tell you this, that there is no better gift for your mother on Mother's Day than to know that you'll spend eternity with her.
Because just as we think about Mary missing her son for maybe four days, what would that be like for eternity? I don't think any of us. I certainly don't believe that there's one mom that wants to even think about that. But here's the reality. Your mom can't do it for you. As much as she wants to, as much as she may have tried to, she can't do it for you. And so it's up to you. Will you follow those four wheels of God and start with the first one? As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.